Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, folks. It's V, the Gorilla Economist, coming to you live on this edition of V for Velas. We have one of the, the man of the hour with us. Velas is here. And before we get into it, also check out roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News. Rogue News at every single podcasting app. Noon to humanity, where everywhere you want us to be. And also check out our paid sponsors, mycbdedibles.com. Mycbdedibles.com. They're in the midst of a new product launch. Siege, you want to talk to us about that? Yeah, so uh, some new, new new edibles, and then also some uh, different types of products to help with uh, different ailments and, and healing. So probably when we have those products, I'll probably have uh, Steve come on and talk about uh, the formula and and why it's kind of reformulated to help with uh, certain certain chronic health conditions, pain, so forth. So excited for those to be on the site. Very very good. And with that being said, Velas, what's up, buddy? How are you? Good morning, good morning, good morning, and good afternoon and good evening to all of you out there and all you ships at sea, wherever you may be. And I've noticed that the alt space has been on fuego just in the past hour because um, Joe Biden has been sedated, and God help us all, Kamala Harris is technically in charge of the country right now. What? What? I missed this. What happened? He had a. He's having a colonoscopy. Oh Jesus! He's got a backup, so they. Uh, while he's sedated, she's technically in charge. I hope they keep all writing instruments and pens the hell away from her. <laughs> Jeez. Oh. Wow. I think they were probably giving him enema shots of, uh, of like, Adderall. Like, they were giving him Adderall enemas. That has to be the fact. That's the, that's the way to goose him up. Like, the I time th- when he went out there and drove that electric Hummer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I I agree with with Mike Moore, not just because it's Mike, but over at True Pundit, where and and you know him living in Philly and all of his law enforcement connections and stuff. You know he's he's pulled up all the um, flight uh, logs now, not of Air Force One, but of planes that are being blocked from Delaware mm. because uh, the president is traveling there because he goes he goes back home. And then Moore's thing is is that way you don't have any White House logs identifying who Joe's been meeting with. Uh, there's been a lot of rumors that um, uh, the president's been meeting with a number of the leaders of the uh, banking industry. There's some somewhat spooky stuff in that neighborhood. But then the other thing is, yeah, that he's receiving a number of different kinds of medical treatments uh, at his residence in Delaware, rather than that being done at the White House. So, I mean, he's hanging he's hanging by a thread. I mean, it's, it's, it's sad and it's unfortunate that he's being used this way, but He's been in the system a long time, and he should have known it was gonna it was gonna go this way. Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll have to hope that he comes out from under sedation. 
God. Yeah, we'll probably. I don't think we'll hear from him until at least Tuesday or Wednesday. That's that's my take. I'm I'm getting flashbacks of Al Haig, a man that you never put in front of the cameras under Reagan, standing in front of a frightened nation after the president was shot in '82 or '81, whatever that was. Yeah, and looking at everybody and saying, literally, and I quote, "The president's taken around. I'm, I'm for all intents and purposes, I'm in charge." God, <laughs> meanwhile, Alexander meanwhile, Haig. Oh. Meanwhile, Elder Bush is sitting there in the corner going, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Alrighty. God. So oh let's get God. into it. Uh, my uh, shout out to the folks on the Discord meeting room last Sunday. Uh, my apologies. That went nearly to two o'clock in the morning. But my thanks to everybody that was uh, there and good conversation. And, and unfortunately, I kind of dominated uh, where that conversation was going. But but uh, I appreciate everybody's patience. Um I have no answers on Nashville's thermobaric explosion last December, nor the French hosting provider, OVH Cloud, from last March. Julian Assange is still in prison. Jeff Epstein did not kill himself. And the FBI is not pursuing athletics, medical personnel, more than just Dr. Nasser. Uh, nor are they pursuing what actually happened at the Las Vegas shooting. But we are investigating parents. And to a couple of you on the Vela's page in Discord, I did see the, uh, uh, I did see the uh, article about the uh, woman who got her door broken in by the FBI because she's been speaking out about her, her school board. Um, also remember my prior show where I mentioned why I keep mentioning these memory hole topics. Uh, I've also got a new one, uh, Seth rich. Uh, let's not forget about Seth rich. Uh, one of these days I'm gonna have to do a show on just, uh, everything that's gone into the, to the memory hole. Um, I'd give a lot to know the name of the department at the FBI responsible for psychological operations and crisis actors. Uh, I'm also wondering what sort of health care program they have. I may want to switch <laughs> employers. Um, it's, it's stunning. Absolutely stunning. Um, the degree to which the FBI is, is just a, a organization of distraction and, and in some cases terror uh, at this point. Um, there's a meme out there that gave me some pause recently. Um, we have the Rittenhouse trial, which is being carried globally and live with pictures and live feeds and everything else. Yet the Ghislaine Maxwell trial, we get artist renderings. Just a thought. Um, we have another suicide of a, of a Clinton person. Oh, uh, who's this? Uh, a, a, a former economics person in both Clinton and President Obama's administrations last Saturday, uh, Alan Kruger. Oh, okay. He was 58. Um, he was at one point the Assistant Secretary of the Treasury. Uh, right. I posted that on on the Vela's page this morning. So we've got another person out there that may or may not have been suicided. Uh, he did have a book that was coming out. Huh. What was his cause of death? Suicide. Oh, Interesting, right? I mean, you, you, I mean, usually that's what happens, Velas. You know, you got a major book deal lined up, possibly millions to be made from the book deal. Maybe some talking engagements, some speaking engagements that you know from various media circles. You know, that's a good time to kill yourself before you do any of that. It's totally common. Yeah, and he had a he had a high end teaching job in academia. Oh, another reason to kill yourself. Right, he's full of reasons to kill himself. Book deal, millions of dollars, uh, you know, academic career. I mean, my God, I'd jump off a bridge with that kind of pressure. Well, and the other thing that caught my attention about the gentleman is, is that, you know, 
again, it's a little counterintuitive. Um, you have some folks out there that, you know, were high ranking, however one wants to define that person in an administration or, or in business or whatever. In his case, he was more like a troubleshooter. Uh, if you look at Kruger's career, he was, or his professional life, he tended to move around to like where there were problems in government or they needed something straightened out or whatever. And, uh, you know, he would go in there for a period of time and, and do his thing and then move on to something else. Um, he was a big advocate of universal basic income. Um, not sure if that's what his book was focusing on or if his book actually had some some memoir-like stuff in there. Um, we'll just have to see whether his book ever gets gets published. Um, beyond my normal narrative about memory hole things in Nashville and, and similar, um, you know, we here at Rogue are doing our best to, to give all of you in our audience the heads up on what might be coming, et cetera, and uh, don't want to panic anybody. Facts are facts. Um, we have supply chain disruptions. We have fertilizer shortages. We have several impacts just this year to energy and food. So in your own residences, wherever you may live, um, as I've often said, and I know others have too, do what you can to plan ahead. Don't go crazy. Um, I don't need any of you wearing an inflatable inner tube on your head, standing in your yard with sandbags. We don't need to go that crazy. Um, but it's been said before, you know, keep a, a couple of hundred bucks of smaller denominations uh, sitting in an envelope or in a, a safety deposit box inside your house or one of those lockable safes in your house or whatever. Um, no need to go acquiring gold coins or whatever. I had some folks reach out to me on that topic recently. Um, it depends on what you're trying to plan for, depending on whether or not you're buying gold. Um, but, you know, we've, again, it's it's the old problem of how many times do we need to be warned about something or, or rumors of something. Um, so, you know, will we have some ATMs, depending on where you live in the country, that go down around the holidays or around New Year's or early next year? Who knows? Uh, but it, it doesn't hurt to keep uh, to keep a couple of hundred bucks handy in case uh, you need it. Plus, the other thing is, is I would predict uh, any, and I mean any, major weather we have this winter will be exploited to justify why there are shortages. Uh, shortages make people money, so we're going to have shortages. And I've got a little bit more on that topic. Well, the local lumber did. I mean, you had three companies hoarding lumber throughout the entire spring and summer of, 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 of this past, you know, this past spring and summer. They've made a killing. You know, they've made a killing. They, they have. And I, I, I'm probably going to screw up the name of the company. There's, there's an outfit called 83 Lumber, I think, out of Pennsylvania. Hmm. I know the guy. I know the guy who runs it. Uh, he's uh, not personally, but I know of him. Um, he's incredibly colorful. Uh, <laughs> he he has a bunch of resorts and stuff out in Pennsylvania that he owns. Uh, he's been married four or five times at at one of his resorts called Nemecolon. Uh, he's got these giant oil paintings of all of his ex wives in different parts of of the place. You can usually find him down at the bar. He um, his trophies. Yeah. But, but, but he's got his hands on a lot of things and and i'm sure the the lumber situation has has worked out well for him um you know and it's been said by many others and i'm just repeating it here uh <laughs> if we're concerned about the health of the world why have we not provided poor countries the guidance on how to create the uh, drugs being produced by pfizer moderna j and j and astrazeneca so that they can make them domestically <laughs> just wondering um and in, this, in the spirit of truth uh, in our world, regardless of where it appears, and I, I have a huge hobby in archaeology, um, in the world of archaeological news, uh, many years ago, back in the 1990s, uh, the geologist Robert Schock, um, 
appeared on a program on NBC that was hosted by Charlton Heston, and it was only aired once. Uh, Robert Schock has recently got some vindication. Um, that program, I remember watching it live, that program put forward the idea that the Giza Plateau may have been underwater after the Sphinx and the Great Pyramid were built. And obviously that's a bit of a problem for traditional archaeologists and others because you're just completely throwing their narrative uh, into the chipper. Um, the reason why that was such a big deal is, is the last time there was standing water at the Giza Plateau was, was prior to the last Ice Age 10,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. And that just created a lot of issues in the, in the scientific world. So traditional archaeologists lost their minds. Uh, the program was pulled. The Smithsonian got involved. Uh, NBC, what's wrong with you? You know, uh, we never want to see this crap on the air ever again. Shock was attacked, vilified, you know, had trouble getting his stuff published. And of course, what's funny is, is that all the guy did was, is a group of alternative archaeologists went to him and said, they showed him photos of weathering around the world. And he was just, you know, he's leading expert in what he does. And he says, uh, that's water, that's wind, that's sediment that's just breaking down over time, et cetera. And a couple of the ones where he said that's water, they flipped over the photos and it was structures at, at the Giza Plateau in Egypt. And, hmm. you know, I've seen him interviewed about this and he looked at the guys that, that came to him and said, boy, do we have a problem? Because he knew how the traditional archeological community would react. Fellas, you know, you have to understand the pyramids were built by Hebrew slaves uh, and they rolled these massive rocks on tiny little wooden rollers. rollers. Right. And th- we all know that's how they made it. It's, you know, I mean, there's, there's nothing conspiratorial about that. I mean, just the Sphinx, accept oh, the narrative. Just yeah. accept the narrative. That's it. So, so what happened this week? Uh, they have now found fossilized fish and shells in the structures at Giza. And I don't just mean on the, on the external facing surfaces. I mean, I mean, just immediately underneath some of the structures. So this is causing a big problem for archaeologists and a whole bunch of other people. So it's just the age old thing about never give up folks. It, it may sometimes take forever, but never give up. I mean, even the, the scientists who said that the extinction of the dinosaurs for the most part seemed to have been, um, related to uh, a planetary impact they they attacked those guys for years until they were on pbs and did their famous program where, where again a whole bunch of scientists attacked them six ways from sunday you can't say that we don't care if you found a layer of iridium in different parts of the world that doesn't mean crap um and now it's just accepted it's accepted dogma yeah um so anywho um, there was an interesting line item in a video about Chinese history that I posted on Sunday, November 14th on the hashtag village section of Discord. One of the takeaways from that program was that in the West, the acquisition of money can buy you power. Uh, put another way, individuals with significant financial means can buy various kinds of power. Uh, just look at you know Big Pharma in, in Silicon Valley. But in China, political power enables your wealth. And that's a fundamental difference that I that I think is interesting between our our sides of the world, our ways of viewing each other, uh, et cetera. As we've been discussing on Rogue, uh, and especially a number of our guests about metals and mining, uh, we have news from oilprice.com this week. Uh, they ran a very blunt article about how metals are the oil of the future. Um, and as we've been saying on Rogue a number of times, this is because of the focus on green energy. Uh, again, Tuesday the 16th, I posted uh, that piece on the Velas page. Uh, also, for those of you that have an interest, you might want to check that out if you haven't already, because it does identify by green energy sector, whether cars, windmills, et cetera, 
what are the projections of uh, materials that are needed in those industries and for how long, et cetera, by whom, uh, kind of an interesting read. Um, also, speaking of weird things and commodities, um, whether uh, land or mined materials, uh, they are a better hedge for inflation than cash. And it was reported last week, not in the Western media, of course, um, about developments in Chile. Uh, Tuesday, November 9th, last week, the president of Chile, Sebastian Piñera, uh, was targeted for a vote of impeachment. Uh, the reason? Conflicts of interest concerning his kids selling a mining company named Minera Dominga to a close associate of his. And of course, what sort of material comes out of that mine? Uh, you guessed it, copper and iron. Uh, now, what was interesting was part of the payment for the company was held in escrow until a vote in the Ch Chilean government took place that would be defeated where there were new environmental regulations that were coming. Uh, and when those environmental regulations were voted down, uh, the family received the rest of their, their payment. Mm -hmm. The other thing that contributed to that was Sebastian is one of three sitting Latin American presidents who were mentioned in the Pandora Papers. Uh, this is part of the whole Pandora Paper thing. Now, the other thing is, is you know, full disclosure here, the International Consortium of, of Investigative Journalists, uh, these are the folks who have been doing a lot of the stories about the Pandora Papers. That group does receive money from several sources, including the Open Society Foundation, who we know is connected to uh, Soros. Uh, there's also money coming to them from the Ford Foundation. Um, so again, we, we have to kind of ask the question, um, if those organizations are involved, um, why, why are they investigating this? Is this just a move to put pressure on, on certain governments or what have you by revealing what went on there? And of course, the Pandora Papers is very similar to what happened with um, the Panama Papers. Uh, again, both, both of these being uh, internal documents and law firms that manage a lot of the, uh, well, dare I use the word laundering, but moving, moving of money internationally without prying eyes looking into it. Um, uh, continuing on the topic of metals shortages and political overthrows, uh, John Singleton was on this week on Monday, and he was discussing, as he often does, potential money-making opportunities by taking advantage of supply chain disruptions. Um, I'd like to dovetail off that with the following, and Mike Moore talks about this often. Uh, quote, unquote, they uh, are always looking for ways to make money off of us any way they can. And as I said a little earlier, these shortages are going to continue for some time. And when you look at how much green energy materials are expected to increase in price, uh, we covered that on a prior show. You know, and again, the next 20 years, they're saying that that the green energy investment globally is, <laughs> and I love this reference, uh, around, give give a little or take a little, 130 trillion uh, U.S. dollars. That's with a T. Um, so as we talked, you know, on a prior show, you know, copper is expected to quintuple in price, and it leads to why I keep bringing up, you know, Bolivia, Peru, Chile, um, uh, the Sudan, um, who's in uh, East Africa. Um, that's a joke. Um, you know, in conclusion, the money to be made from these shortages is worth killing over. There's no other way to say it. So the shortages are going to continue. The other thing, too, that's worth pointing out is, is now that globally, especially in manufacturing, where I had quite a bit of, of time working in that space, no one in manufacturing is going to stop using just-in-time manufacturing, you know, where you have very limited inventory, you don't have these big 
warehouses of of inventory. I even worked with with the military, uh, one of the branches of the services that that I mean, there's another way to say it. They had billions of dollars of inventory sitting in various distribution sites around the United States, around the world. They were trying to get their their arms around reducing that down to something that was a little bit more efficient with better planning. But they they literally, in that case of the of the military, they had billions of dollars of assets sitting in warehouses, and you know weren't even sure that the weapon systems or the systems that those spare parts supplied even still existed. So there's no way anybody is going to stop using JIT in manufacturing, and. You know, I remember reading business articles in the 1990s where, where people even then said it's really great and it shrinks uh, your total inventory and improves efficiency and, you know, in the constant march towards cutting cost out of business. But even then, people were saying, boy, we sure got to, and this is in the mid later 1990s, there were a number of industry articles saying, boy, we sure got to make sure, though, that the supply chains could keep up with just in time manufacturing because you may find if, if you, you always want the stuff to arrive at the factory like the morning or the week that you're going to use it in production. I'm way yeah. oversimplifying. And what has happened, and I've certainly seen it happen, is, uh, you know, in, in my case, we were, we were running uh, application deployments uh, globally for manufacturers who were my clients. And, you know, I had factory managers, which I totally get why they were doing it, saying, hey, look, do I have to pay a premium to make sure I've literally got jets landing at the airport with the parts we need? while you folks are flipping over this software, because I need to know that. I mean, we'll take on that cost, but I mean, where everyone is just monitoring cost, it's such an infinitesimal level. So it becomes a perfect storm. Why, when you start getting this level of supply chain problems across so many different areas, the opportunities to make money are insane, which means, especially given the view of most of us on Rogue, that was, that was its intention the whole time. And of course, now we have winter coming, so this this should continue to be a profitable uh, enterprise, and we will most probably continue to see governments getting overthrown in in strange places around the world, like Cote d'Ivoire or or uh, other other little hangouts, um, because every time you can dis- disrupt those supplies, you're you're adding to your wealth of whatever you started uh, uh, hoarding. Um, CJ, would you be good enough to, uh, I've got a clip for us here, folks, and then there's actually a rather interesting hidden aspect of, of this clip. Uh, but CJ, if you'd be so good, would you please play that clip? Mr. President, there are one or two points I'd like to make, if I may. Go ahead, General. One, our hopes for recalling the 843rd bomb wing are quickly being reduced to a very low order of probability. Two, in less than 15 minutes from now, the Ruskies will be making radar contact with the planes. Three, when they do, they are going to go absolutely ape, and they're going to strike back with everything they got. Four, if prior to this time, we have done nothing further to suppress their retaliatory capabilities, we will suffer virtual annihilation. If, on the other hand, we were to immediately launch an all-out and coordinated attack on all their airfields and missile bases, we'd stand a damn good chance of catching them with their pants down. Hell, we got a five-to-one missile superiority as it is. We could easily assign three missiles to every target and still have a very effective reserve force for any other contingency. Six, an unofficial study which we undertook of this eventuality indicated 
that we would destroy 90% of their nuclear capabilities. We would therefore prevail and suffer only modest and acceptable civilian casualties from the remaining force, which would be badly damaged and uncoordinated. General, it is the avowed policy of our country never to strike first with nuclear weapons. Well, Mr. President, I would, I would say that General Ripper has already invalidated that policy. <laughs> that was not an act of national policy, and there are still alternatives left open to us. Mr. President, we are rapidly approaching a moment of truth, both for ourselves as human beings and for the life of our nation. Now, truth is not always a pleasant thing, but it is necessary now to make a choice, to choose between two admittedly regrettable, but nevertheless distinguishable post-war environments. One where you got 20 million people killed and the other where you got 150 million people killed. You're talking about mass murder, General, not war. I'm not saying we wouldn't get our hair mussed, but I do say no more than 10 to 20 million killed, tops, uh, depending on the break. <laughs> I will not go down in history as the greatest mass murderer since Adolf Hitler. Perhaps it might be better, Mr. President, if you were more concerned with the American people than with your image in the history books. General Turgeson, I think I've heard quite sufficient from you. Thank you very much. That's good, CJ. The ambassador waiting upstairs. There's, there's a couple of takeaways about this clip that are important. Um, first of all, <laughs> I've actually used this in organizational change meetings with clients of mine <laughs> to kind of break the ice. Uh, I love his line about, I'm not saying we wouldn't get our hair must. Um, there's a line in there, though, where George C. Scott says, we have a five to one missile superiority as it is. Now, that's a classic Stanley Kubrick move, the director. Now, why does this matter? The movie came out in 64. They were filming it in 63. And Kennedy died in November of 63. Mm. When John F. Kennedy was running for president, he ran on a campaign of military strength, which most people don't remember that or, or may not be as aware of that because we're more used to him trying to negotiate with the Soviet Union and some other things and trying to get us out of what happened in Cuba. Kennedy ran on a platform of, of, a, of a need for American military buildup, and he relied on his military history, you know, serving in the, in the Pacific and so on to kind of push that message. Um, because he and many others in the U.S. government were convinced that the Soviet Union had more missiles and nuclear weapons than the United States. In fact, they had been given information the public never saw that they were terrified the public become aware of, of how vulnerable we actually were. When Kennedy became president, they told him the truth. Mm. And the truth was, it was a five to one factor in our favor. And this was the reason why Kennedy was so enraged in the beginning of his presidency. And I'm using the word enraged specifically because I, I have read extensively of this stuff. I've spoken to people in Washington that you know worked with people that were around in those eras and things. I mean, when you look at Kennedy and what he walked into, it was an absolute dumpster fire. I mean, you had things going on in Vietnam at that time that we, the public didn't even know about until a couple of years later where Kennedy was trying to get his arms around that. We had stuff going on in Laos. We had Indonesia, which was on the verge of just complete and total breakdown. Asia alone was just on fire. There was all sorts of stuff going on that Kennedy, his first day, had to go deal with. He's got the military bearing down on him saying that we've got to attack first. And here's why. I mean, this is why they told him it was a five to one advantage, because they said it's a five to one advantage. 
Soviet Union is trying to catch up, Mr. President. We've got to attack the Soviet Union now. Hmm. Now, as I said, the movie came out in 64. But the American public never really knew the full truth about that, of our defense situation in the 1960s until the 1980s. But Kubrick dropped it in the film. But most people just missed it, or they thought it was just dialogue. They didn't understand the significance. Kind of like my joke about, which is no joke, how many times have movies and TV shows told us the truth? Because the other thing that was in that movie were, ironically, the thing that really got the Defense Department mad at Kubrick was not that scene. It was the scene where uh, Pickens is riding the nuclear bomb down to the uh, to the target, and when he Slim Pickens walks into the cockpit and says, "I'm going to get that bomb because the bomb bay doors are jammed," and he goes, "I'm going to get that bomb out of that bomb bay if I've got a hair lip everybody on Bear Creek Road." That scene was the scene that caused the Defense Department to lose their minds, hmm. and the reason why was. Because Bear Creek Road is the name of the R&D facility, or is the, where the R&D facility in Tennessee at Oak Ridge is located. Oh, wow. But, but unless you'd ever been to Oak Ridge, you never knew what the names of those roads were. That's what really, I mean, it, again, if you don't live in this world, if you don't sit in bars in Washington, D.C., if you don't sit with think tanks the way I've done and listen to what the hell these people are talking about and what matters to them, you're, you're, you know, it's like one of my fa my favorite lines from the the 1980s show Miami Vice. This is Miami, and you don't know the players without a program. I mean, it's the same thing when it comes to the Beltway. You have to understand what gets them upset. You got to understand what gets them going, because that crap will affect you. And so, this is another classic move by Stanley Kubrick. And of course, I could do a whole show on Kubrick, because just if you really dig deep into all of the symbolisms and stuff in the movie Eyes Wide Shut. Um, it's it's horrifying, and of course mm -hmm. Kubrick Kubrick died. I, I don't want to say mysteriously, but he's another person who died under kind of somewhat questionable circumstances. Um, you know, Kubrick died a couple of days before the film came out. There were a lot of, and then there's the whole thing about there was dialogue, and this is true. There was dialogue and scenes in the movie Eyes Wide Shut that were cut because Kubrick Kubrick uh, um, retained authority on what could go into his release of the film. And so when Kubrick died, that authority went out the window. And so there were there were elements in that film that were cut. But again, Kubrick's an interesting cat. I mean, if you look at a lot of his films, why he uses the colors red and blue in his films the way he did, why he filmed um, Doctor Doctor Strange Love in black and white. I mean, it's 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 just it makes for interesting reading. Um, switching gears considerably on the topic of safe water. Uh, Monday the 15th, I posted a link uh, on the Vela's page again. There's a national database that's now available uh, where you can review your water where you live, and it will tell you, I don't know necessarily that some of you want to know this, but it will tell you where uh, where you live and based on what's in your water, uh, good, bad, or indifferent. You know, and what they're doing is, is, is uh, the Environmental Working Group um, has added 56 chemicals to their tracking, which is now 320 known toxic substances in water that they monitor. Uh, I looked up where I live. I think we had about 17 or 18 rather serious chemicals that, that they detected. So in conclusion, and as we've said on prior That's shows. Wonderful. That's wonderful. So well, loving. Can't, can't tackle a problem if we don't know what it is. It's, it's like me standing on a street corner looking at executives with whom I'm working saying, if you really want me to fix this problem, you got to help me come up with language that will soften the blow 
because everybody in that room knows this problem's been around for years and you called me in to fix it. I can't fix it if we don't talk about it. You, I can soften the language, but we, we got we to gotta tackle the problem as it is. So as we've said on this show before, you know, if you live in an apartment or just kind of uh, a humble abode, if you will, at least grab yourself a filter jug with a carbon filter. In fact, there's some very good brands out there that do more. Zero than just, water is really good. You know, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, or, or, or if you have a home, get an uh, an RO filtration system for your house. I have one of those. They're 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 amazing. Yes, and what what V is talking about is a reverse osmosis. Uh, yeah. I have one in my house as well. Now, uh, there's no other way to say it. Uh, getting those filters replaced uh, is pricey, and I've tried to do it myself. And and just again, awareness for all of you out there. Uh, any of those reverse osmosis systems, you you are supposed to soak the filters for like 48 hours before you install them, etc. Um, but if you've got the ability to do it, uh, that's a good way to go. But again, a lot of those filter jugs that are available now are, are, are quite good, but yeah. definitely look into, um, the quality of your water. Um, speaking real of quick, my, Vellis, real quick, yeah. the, uh, on the filter jug, zero water is awesome. I think that's the best one. It even comes with a TDS, um, um, filter, which is a, a, a TDS meter that shows you uh, total dissolved solids. Um, it's, that's the one best one I've seen. That's like amazing. Good. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah. Cause I knew there was a brand out there that kind of took it up a notch. I couldn't remember who it was. Um, speaking of my other ethnic background, Scotland, uh, Scotland news. I'm, I'm, uh, just saddened. I'm not going to take my flag down, but I'm on the, I'm on the periphery. Scotland has voted to put feminine care products in all men's bathrooms and their government buildings. Um, yes. That is so trendy. You know, I I went to Culloden uh, with my my family, uh, the last battle of the last uprising against the English, and uh, you know, put a small stone on top of the marker because wherever the clan uh, members fell in battle, they they buried them there. So there's these big markers at Culloden that all the various clans are identified. That you know, this marker is for the clan of whatever, and and their folks are buried here, etc. So went out there and paid paid my respects to to the fallen. But, you know, I, I'm thinking of the, of the nation of Culloden and the nation of William Wallace and just, William, you must be so proud. This is what Scotland's become. We're, we're putting feminine care products in men's bathrooms because of, of people who self-identify. I'm, I'm just so glad we spilled that much blood against England to become more dictatorial than the people we were fighting. Um, also, uh, vigorous chat on Discord wanted to share here on the show. Be on the lookout uh, for your medical or your insurance forms showing a code called ICD-10, Indigo Charlie Delta 10, followed by a, another code that says Z28.20, Zulu28.20. Uh, my thanks to Hobo Sermons, among others on Discord that were, were chatting about this, a little background, what the hell is the ICD? The ICD is the International Classification of Diseases, and it's been around since 1994, and it's managed by the World Health Organization. Now, this system has what they call chapters, and each of the chapters in the IDC system, they're, they're numbered. They break out various diseases into more detailed uh, numerical breakdowns to fine-tune people's illnesses. Now, traditionally, this was a very positive system because regardless of culture or language barriers, all doctors around the world were using this system, the same coding system to identify diseases that came in pretty handy, especially if you had a, a, a true pathogen, uh, a true pandemic, um, so that they could share information more, more effectively. Now, chapter 21 has a series of blocks of numbers that run from, from Zulu 00 
to Zulu 99, Z00 to Z99. Now, this block of numbers under Chapter 21, this is for, quote, factors influencing health status and contact with health services. So what is Z28.20? It is a code in that block under Chapter 21 who is defined as, and I'm quoting, immunization not carried out because of patient decision for unspecified reason, unquote. So, so this is now being used to track people who don't have the shot. And depending on your insurance company, they're using this so that they can send counselors to go talk to you. And depending on what your country you're in, like Australia, they might drive by with a big white van and pick you up. Who knows? So keep your eyes open for yourself, your families, those you care about, those you know who are, who are um, equally concerned on this topic. I did post the link uh, to that detail again on the, on the Villa side uh, so you can look it up later. We've got a couple of uh, school victories in Loudoun County in Virginia and Arizona. Uh, Loudoun County, as I've said every time I bring up this topic, uh, that really is ground zero, folks, in the in the school war. I uh, have no have no doubts about it. Both both sides are throwing everything they've got into that battle, which I, you know, as a student of history, I find somewhat interesting, given what happened in Virginia during the war between the states. Um, the teacher who was suspended at Loudoun County because of his views on gender, uh, I believe he was a coach, has been reinstated. Uh, they're paying his legal fees, and they've also passed a resolution to remove all references of that incident from their records. Uh, Loudoun County School Board attempted to label the parents who brought a petition to remove them as uh, alt-right and worse. Uh, they then realized that many of those parents who were quite torqued off became even more so because most of those parents were actually African-American and Jewish. I wonder how that's going to turn out. Um, the Scottsdale School Board president, who was keeping private investigator files and various parents who opposed his policies, has been forced to leave. Uh, you know, folks, Scottsdale is one of the most incredibly wealthy areas in this country. I can't imagine how stupid you've got to be to try and go after those parents. I don't care what your politics are or what side of the rainbow you may be on. Scottsdale's not a place where the parents don't have lawyers on speed dial uh, along with their own private investigators. So, I mean, the minute that got out... Right. <laughs> that, that dude was dead man walking. <laughs> what a moron. Uh, or to quote Bugs Bunny, what a maroon. What um, a maroon. The soon-to-be new leader of the FDA, Robert Carliff, um, he's expected to take over. Uh, he held the post briefly under the Obama administration. Uh, Carliff is a cardiologist who spent much of his professional life at Duke University. And in 2019, he was hired by Alphabet, which is the parent company of Google, to lead its oh. medical strategy group. Oh, so nice. So lovely. Well, which begs several questions. Uh, one, we're putting this guy in to run the FDA, and we saw what happened to the last couple of FDA leaders because they've gone to either work for Big Pharma or the private equity firms that run Big Pharma. But the other thing that that is I read the article in Typical of My Paranoia. I'm sitting there reading it, and I said, wait a minute. He was in charge of Google's medical strategy organization. Why does Google have a medical strategy organization? <laughs> I mean, that's like admitting they have a U.S. intelligence. They have uh, U.S. intelligence working down there. But I digress. Um, he's been consulting to Alphabet for two years, and so I'm glad to see that we continue the revolving door in Washington D.C. of executives from banking, pharma, and Silicon Valley. Um, I know V and, and Matthew Arrett brought this up on Tuesday, but I'll bring it up again. Uh, Jeff Bezos wants to move all of us off the earth and only have a select few of people who are allowed to remain in the garden. Uh, how gracious of our living God. So loving. So loving. So Just liberal. The love. So, um, so trendy. 
asset forfeiture, a uh, little primer for all of you out there. That's, that's where law enforcement, um, you're accused of a crime and they seize assets of yours claiming that those assets were used uh, in that crime or similar. Uh, I posted on the Velas page on Thursday, uh, Steve Lato, uh, he's the lawyer guy I've been talking about on YouTube. He does these little vignettes on, on uh, different legal uh, topics that are out there or cases, a lot of cases that are out there. Um, if, if you go look at just Leto's page, uh, L-E-H-T-O on YouTube, it's stunning what he's covering because he's got topics like you wouldn't believe where even he's sitting there saying as a lawyer, I don't even know how this case got into court, but he'll give you the whole background of, of what it was about, why that matters, et cetera. Now, the other reason why I'm raising this is, is I've often talked about or had Jim Trafficant references here on the show. Uh, may, may Jim rest peacefully in the great beyond. Um, there was a clip we showed where Jim Trafficant, before they sent him to prison, said that one of his most lasting achievements for which he was, he was most proud was is he did get language inserted into a bill, a government bill that was passed, that cut down on the on federal seizures of people's private property. Uh, you might recall that, that when that bill was signed in the year prior, government seizures of people's property were literally in like the tens of thousands. And the year after the bill passed, it was like a few dozen. Uh, at the local level, though, things are still off the rails. Um, they can seize your assets, and if you're cleared later, they don't have to pay you back. You can try and make them pay you back, but it's messy. And what Leto was getting into in a, in a program he covered yesterday was is that if the feds believe that they have any kind of, of uh, stake in local seizures, what happens is, is that like a bunch of marauding bandits the feds and your local law enforcement folks will divvy up the assets between the two of them. And then if you go after law enforcement later and say, I was cleared, it wasn't even me, it was my neighbor, et cetera, to get your stuff back, if the feds get involved in any way, now you got to go to federal court. It's not just local. So Lato was covering a, a legal case that just won't die because the guy in question has just put a, put a line in the sand and said, I don't care how much this costs me. I'm just going to keep going after them over this. He had $16,000 in money and assets that were seized, the gentleman that he covers. And what happened was the dude took the local guys to court. And in a stunning display of hubris and arrogance, uh, the state government agencies said, well, we can't pay you back because we gave the money to the feds. And, and you know, we'd have to trace each of those dollars and go find them and give them back. And that's just burdensome and onerous. And we can't do that. So he won several court cases where the judges were like, you're really pissing me off. I, I, you know what? It's your job as a state agency to go get your money back from the feds. I'm sure you have some money lying around down there somewhere. Maybe you've got a credit card. Pay this guy back. So what happened was the feds got involved, and they told him, you can't go after the state government over the money we both seized from you. Whether you have a case or not, you're going to have to take this to federal court. Now, what's funny is the guy is taking it to federal court. And I wish him all the luck in the world because this, this crap's been going on for, for too long. And, you know, it's the age-old problem. States cut budgets, you know, so then you've got various departments that are, are struggling trying to pay their bills. And so law enforcement, I mean, I got friends in law enforcement, and I, and I get it. You know, they've, they've, um, they've got their own problems they're trying to deal with. And so when they seize these assets, it helps them supplant their budgets. But it's like you're, you're creating a perfect storm of a problem here. The, the very people who are trying to be, at least in theory, helping or protecting the public um, 
are now pressed into taking your stuff just so that the coffee maker's still working. Um, and a sidebar too, by the way, folks, because I know it was covered uh, by V and CJ uh, the past couple of days and a couple of the other folks on the show, including Gus. Um, the thing about our situation up in Wisconsin with the Rittenhouse trial, um, I'm not suggesting anyone do the following. I'm just the messenger. <laughs> However, I've brought this up before that if you don't work in the legal community, or it's kind of like any of the industries where I've worked, where you know I tend to ask a lot of questions and get to know folks and understand how their industry operates and the unique little angles that are there. And in my own time in the legal system, especially having some dealings with, with LexisNexis, it, it afforded me the opportunity to learn a lot of the stuff about the legal community folks don't know. And this is, this is that, that truth about attorney review boards at the state level. Um, those boards are there, kind of like a Grisham novel, to make sure that the one main thing that lawyers aren't supposed to do, which is, which is misappropriate their clients' money, uh, are, are managed. And they are effective. Uh, they can be both, in the case of Michigan, it's volunteers who work on those attorney review boards in other uh, U.S. states. It's attorneys themselves. Um, and you cannot be prosecuted um, unless it's character assassination. But, but you, in most cases, no attorney that you, you file a claim against, um, what do you call it, can, can really come after you. Um, it's, it's among lawyers. It's kind of like, this is, this is part of our, our line of work. This is what we do. So I've often wondered, I'm just speaking figuratively. I've often wondered what would happen if a couple of hundred people or a couple thousand people started filing attorney complaint, uh, forms, uh, with the Michigan attorney review or terribly sorry, with the Wisconsin Michigan review board for the prosecutor and the assistant prosecutor in that case for facts that are already in the public domain. I mean, that's kind of like my comment about the word sabot, which I'm getting that from a famous Star Trek movie, uh, where Dutch workers threw their wood shoes, which were called sabot, into the machines. Ergo, that's where we get the word sabotage, uh, because they were opposing industrialization and what it was doing to their earnings and, and to the guilds and so on, whose, whose bread and butter was being destroyed by, by uh, widespread industrialization. I've often wondered what sort of wooden shoe thrown into the machinery would happen uh, if a large number of people just started filing those sorts of things with the state, I mean, it would just tie everything up. And what's funny is, is that those organizations often work with or report to the state Supreme Court. Uh, because when you get sworn in, in, to my knowledge, in all U.S. states, possibly not Louisiana, but in most U.S. states, when you get sworn in as an attorney, you're sworn in in front of your state Supreme Court. You, you answer to them. So the citizenry has the ability to launch a complaint. You can do that. And I've heard people tell me, you know, well, somebody ought to sue the damn prosecutor for what he's doing. Uh, wouldn't, wouldn't stand a chance. But you can file a complaint with the attorney review board. And most people don't even know there is an attorney review board in most U.S. states. It's a very simple process. It's kind of like my other favorite thing about moving into a new neighborhood. Go to your local law enforcement website way at the bottom. Or you can just submit a question to them and say, I'm looking for the form. Where is it? Um, what do you call it? You can, you can go to your local law enforcement uh, community, whether it's your sheriff's department or your police department, and you can fill out a public information request about yourself, about your neighbors, anything else. You know, Has anybody ever filed a, a noise complaint or whatever against your neighbors, et cetera? Again, it's another one of those things that, that unless you've done it before, uh, yeah, Raven 6, I assumed Louisiana would not be such a situation. Um, 
you know, and I've done this on myself. I've I've checked with my local sheriff's department and others uh, to just say, hey, has anybody ever <laughs> complained about me or something? Uh, just wondering. Uh, and there's no charge. Uh, in some cases, they may charge you for postage, but that's about it. It's just it's just one of those. Again, it's just one of those public things that. You know, if I had the ability to teach school kids, here's all the crap they don't tell you here in high school. Uh, that those would be a couple of the areas I'd like to bring up. So, with that, with the remaining time, we do have Harley later, correct? That is correct. Okay, so in the remaining time, I yield the floor uh, to UCJ and UV for for any thoughts and comments on on what we covered today. Oh, I was muted. <laughs> Go for it, V. <laughs> no, I think you hit a lot of great points. Uh, and I think that it's it's vital that people understand that, you know, the, the mechanisms and controls are very convoluted. It's very murky. And I love it when Velas comes in and just gives us a complete array of what is going on uh, within our own nation and all the things that we're facing. You just kind of get a picture of how big and messed up and bloated all these bureaucratic <laughs> departments are. It's It's a mess, man. It, 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 the only way to to fix it, the whole thing has to get purged. I mean, it, there's it, it, it's like barn, it's it's worse than barnacles on a ship, you know. Well, and your analogy is well taken because why do why do especially old school ship people want to get the barnacles off the side of your ship because it slows you down in the water, it creates resistance. And it's the same thing here. And so like a lot of the things I'm covering, especially like with the Loudoun County stuff, everybody, you know, it's a distance race. I, I don't want to repeat it as though I know you're all not listening. I know you're listening. But I mean, it's it's a distance race. And it's also why, again, I have a ton of material, including jokes. I want to be very clear. Got jokes out there. Um, speaking of, uh, CJ, where's that clip? I sent you a picture. There it is. Okay, thank you. This is this is about the other topic we're probably going to be discussing very shortly, folks, which is um, smallpox. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> no, no, no coincidence there, folks. No, I mean, no. the, the patterns that your brain is making right now, and the connections, and the epiphany that is happening right now at a neurological level inside your brain. Ignore it. Ignore it. Totally <laughs> ignore it. Who's that man behind the curtain? Well, and I mean, I, again, I will admit my own mistake. I we, There was a vigorous discussion going on on, on uh, Discord. And some of our, our uh, friends out there were, were discussing amongst each other, well, well, what the heck do we do for smallpox? And so yours truly, I started going out researching. And then one of the first things that popped up uh, on my page was... Um, uh, what do you call it? That, that there had been an approval of, an, of a new smallpox drug. Oh, and, and this wonderful. was like last last Tuesday, last Wednesday, and I'm just looking at the screen, going, "Oh, baby, <laughs> oh man, They're so ridiculous. holy shit, uh, we got Bill Gates again uh, going out having his various little conferences and discussion topics about what would we do if, and then what would we do if happens, and so now he's recommending, you know, and I mean, I I'm gonna go there, folks, you know, the the thought did pop into my mind, yeah, wow. Um, about the following scaring the hell out of people worldwide about we have a pandemic and of course again words matter what's a pandemic defined a pandemic i'm gonna get into mandate here in a second a pandemic is a new disease 
It's a new disease that's widespread. That's all pandemic means. It doesn't mean it's the Black Death. It doesn't mean it's the plague. It just it's a new disease that's widespread. Kind of like mandate. What's a mandate? A mandate is a voluntary recommendation. There's no there's no law behind it. That's right. that's why I'm disgusted by what I see our military personnel going through right now. Mm-hmm. So with with the coof coming out, you know, we have an unknown disease. Now, not to be indelicate, um, yeah, it's it's another form of disease that's been out before. It's a form of flu, but we call it a new name, and it scares the crap out of people. And they and they genuinely don't know what to do. Well, is this dangerous or not? I've got kids. I don't. You know, I've got elderly parents. What should I do? I'm not sure. I've got the media filling my head full of crap, and I've got the alternative community saying, geez, I'm not so sure. Maybe we ought to look into this more. But in the end, and I, you know, as I'm sitting on this side of the, the microphone, I've had COVID, and it's a bear. You know, it took me a month to get over it, and I've got relatives that are still trying to get their sense of smell back. It's, it's, not, it's not easy, but you can survive it. And as we've said on the show, and I know I bring this up every week, you know, uh, you, know you need, you need – uh, not mineral water, but you need you need water from out in the Pacific. You need uh, help me here. Silica. Thank you. You need silica water. You need yogurt. You need a lot of healthy uh, fruits and stuff. And while you're fighting that off, and, and before taking you know other inoculations, whether it's for tetanus or whatever. But I thought now we're at a stage where one could argue, because I'm just speaking theoretically. One could argue it's like now let's bring back a disease that people know what it is. Because oh, smallpox God. is a nasty, nasty little bugger. And yeah, break when, that down for us, man. For those who have forgotten what smallpox is, just for the audience. Yeah, I mean it's as it's a pox, you know. And like I had chickenpox myself in my twenties, which scared the crap out of my doctor because he's like, you know, why didn't you have this when you were a kid? Because now that you're getting chickenpox at a later stage, I got to keep a close eye on you, and you've got skin breakouts and things that are happening. But smallpox, it's a much deeper uh, blister of the skin. Uh, it's why this is the truth, folks. This is why a lot of wealthy people in Europe used to have these big, glorious paintings done of themselves because it shows them with smooth skin or in some cases being overweight because that was seen as a sign of wealth, but people's skin in the 14, 15, 16, 1700s was horrible due to smallpox. And it took years there were, you know, you take a weakened strain of the virus, you inject it into a person, but holy crap, it took a while to get that worked out. Some people, you know, I know Jonas Salk and others are out there poking kids with sticks with with uh, stuff on it. But I mean, this was another one of those things we had to work through after World War II. Once we got antibiotics and, and other methods to kind of fine-tune the drugs we produced. And I've said this on other shows. I mean, I had a grandparent who had uh, tuberculosis, lost a lung. You know, the guy was a competitive swimmer till he went through all that. Um, there were a lot of people taking tuberculosis drugs and other drugs in the 1950s that we knew there's, there's no playing around with this. We knew people were going to die. But this nation and many countries around the world were so horrendously impacted. When you look at how much of the U.S. population was lost to smallpox and tuberculosis, and meningitis and all the other big names that nobody and it's 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 a tragedy also that in this in this highly commoditized prepackaged McDonald's drive-through world we're in that many US doctors are now exposed well and I say exposed I mean they're encountering patients with symptoms they don't know how to, d- to define yeah i've had in the area of the country i live in 
I've had uh, doctors I know of East Indian extraction who actually had been called in by, by I, I'm not being indelicate when I say this, you know, their white Anglo-Saxon colleagues to say, I got this thing, you know, and it's like, well, we, we had that in India yeah. and what you're dealing with is this, you know, so smallpox, man, it's contagious as hell. Yep. It's, it's dangerous. Airborne. You can pass it through kissing, touching, skin contact, you name it. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things that if we do get smallpox outbreaks, I think people would be far more willing or prone to go get a shot for that than possibly even the coof. So we'll just have to wait this out and see, see where it goes. I mean, obviously, I hope to God uh, it, it doesn't happen. But if it does, we got to be prepared for it like everything else. So anywho, uh, wishing you all a very good weekend. Um, Looking on my calendar. I am back. No, I am not on on the 26th. That's the day after Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving and the last time we did a show, uh, V and CJ, after Thanksgiving, we were all uh, really out of it due to tryptophan. <laughs> <laughs> Probably yeah. best we just skip <laughs> skip that show. I, I agree. I agree. We also just rest. I'm going to go Black Friday shopping. What I'm going to do is I'm going to wait outside in Walmart at like 5 a.m., 3 a.m. or something like that. And then when the doors open, we're running in there screaming. I'm going to start pushing people over, and I'm going to go buy, like, a toaster oven and a bread maker. And people will just look <laughs> at me like, you're weird, like, and a pair of socks. <laughs> That's it. Just to mess with people's heads. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway. Velas, thank you for being on, man. It's always a pleasure, folks. Again, subscribe, like, comment, share. Many of you, 60% of you listening to this show, do not hit the subscribe button. So make sure you subscribe. We're trying to fight the algos here. We're trying to get back up over 100,000 uh, subs again. It's not easy. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Unreal. Anyway, make sure you guys do that. And with that being said, El Cuco, take it away. Harley is next.